The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. Heavenornot.net is a website someone has asked about. Is it a good website? What are its pros and cons? What is a good way to evangelize others? Is there a formula? Bob Wilkin and Ken Yates will be along momentarily to talk about these things. As we welcome you to Grace in Focus, this is the radio broadcast and podcast ministry of the Grace Evangelical Society. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'd love for you to know more about us. You can find out more at our website, faithalone.org. We also have a magazine called Grace in Focus. You can find out about our free subscription to that magazine at faithalone.org. Now here are Bob and Ken with today's discussion. I received a question from someone, I'm not going to mention his name because he was kind of upset about this website called heavenornot.net. And there are some commercials on TV that talk about heaven or not. He wanted me to comment on it. So I went to the website and looked at it. It starts out by saying, for you to know for sure when you die, if you're going to heaven or not, this is what you need to understand. They talk about creation and God being the creator, and they talk about the fact that the Bible is accurate and reliable. I'm going to stop right there. Yeah. Do you have to understand all those things? No, but they give the impression you need to. I have to believe in the inspiration of the scriptures, for example. Right. <laughs> they give the impression you have to believe in creation, not young earth creation, but you have to at least be a creationist. And But they go on and they talk about heaven, which I think is a little bit misleading because that's not where our eternal destiny is. But then they go on and they start quoting verses. They quote Romans 3.23 and... Romans 3.10, and so they're trying to say that we're sinners. Okay, fine. And then right away they jump into John 3.16, which I like. Yeah, there you go. In fact, they say being accepted by God and allowed into heaven. Of course, there's nothing about heaven in John 3.16, so that's kind of problematic right away because it's not allowed into heaven. It's having everlasting life and never perishing. But anyway, Being accepted by God and allowed into heaven is not of your good works. That's good. That is good. Or whatever your definition of good behavior might be, you can't get into heaven on your own. And then they say it's a free gift because of God's love for us. And they quote Romans 6.23, which talks about the free gift of God as eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So good so far. Then they go on and they quote John 1.12, which many people call the pinnacle of the prologue, which is, but to those who received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. That's, that's a great verse to cite. And then they go on and cite 1 John 5.12 and 13, which is a section on assurance in 1 John. These things are right unto you that you may know you have eternal life. Yeah, he who has the right. son has right. the life. He who doesn't have the son doesn't have the life. And then they go to one of my favorite verses, John eleven twenty five and 26, where Jesus is talking to Martha, and he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. It's a promise of And he who believes in me will never die. He who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? This is a great verse to quote. And then they say, if heaven is the desire of your heart, and the following prayer expresses your decision, pray now and receive Christ. Now, this is where it gets a little sloppy. Prayer, well, make first a decision. Of all, and you got to have a desire. Receive, right. Who cares if you desire to be in heaven? The issue is, do you believe or don't you believe? 
there is no decision to be made. You're either convinced it's true or not. You're, it's, it's a matter of believing. It's not a matter of receiving. Now, of course, I get that John one twelve says as many as received him, but it then defines it as to those who believe in his name. But the impression given here is receiving him as some kind of mystical something. That so, evidently they're connecting with the prayer, right? I receive him by this prayer. Yeah, here's right. the prayer. Let me give you the prayer. Now, let me say one of the things I really like about this so far, there's nothing about repentance, nothing about turning from sins, nothing about committing your life to him, promising to serve him, nothing about the need for perseverance to the end of your life. So for the most part... I'm pleased with what I'm seeing here. Unfortunately, there, there's a lack of clarity such that I think an unbeliever going through this is not going to get that just by believing in Jesus, I have everlasting life. They're going to think I have to somehow receive him. I need to accept him. I got to accept this gift. And here's the prayer. Dear God, I know I have sinned against you. Please forgive me. So now we've got an acknowledgement of our sinfulness as a condition. Of course, that's not mentioned in John 3.16 or John 11.25. Or John anywhere. John anywhere, right? right? And then it says, I receive Jesus, your only son, right now as Savior of my life. What does that exactly mean, Savior of my life? Maybe my Savior, but I'm not sure what Savior of my life means. Having died to pay for my sins. Okay. Thank you for forgiving my sins and for my new life. Now, that's a little puzzling because new life tends to imply that there's some kind of transformation that's guaranteed. Now, maybe that's not what they mean, but I would just say... But the question is, what does the unbeliever hear when he hears these things? I think he's confused. What John 3.16 promises is everlasting life, never perish, but that's not in the prayer. And then he ends the prayer with, I pray this prayer in Jesus' holy name, amen. The problem is there is no magic prayer. And the unbeliever, don't you think Ken is going to get the impression, I need to pray this prayer to be saved? Oh, absolutely. That's what a lot of, how many stories have we heard when you ask somebody, were you saved? Say, yeah, I said the sinner's prayer. You hear those testimonies. I said the sinner's prayer. That's what saved me. The Grace Evangelical Society has recently started an online seminary, and we're preparing to start our second semester in February. You can study with some of the finest free grace professors and earn an MDiv degree in three years. There is no tuition if you maintain a 3.0 grade point average. It's time now for application and registration. Study the Bible, the biblical languages, and free grace theology with us. Find out more at faithalone.org slash seminary or gesseminary.org. Well, we used to have a uh, transferable concept in Campus Crusade for Christ. I was on staff for four years called Crew now, and it was on how to be sure of your salvation. Basically, what Bill Bright said was, if you aren't sure, you need to accept Jesus one last time. Be absolutely convinced that you're sincerely inviting him into your heart now. And so you're accepting him, you're receiving him now. And so I didn't think this booklet made sense, so I didn't use it with people, as I recall. But the idea was you would get the person to pray to receive Christ again. But now what happens a week later when the person has doubts? Well, you invite him in one last time, one last time. And then what if the next day they have doubts? And what would happen is people would invite him in over and over and over again. I remember when I taught evangelism at Woodcrest College, 
And there was a young guy in the class, probably 20, who grew up in a missionary home. He was a missionary kid. We had talked about inviting Jesus into your heart and how that was misleading and not accurate. And he said, I remember going to camp when I was about eight or nine or 10, and they told me I need to invite Jesus in, so I did. But I wasn't sure I was safe, so I kept inviting him in. And between the ages of 10 and like 17, he said, I invited him in hundreds of times. I guarantee you that a lot of our listeners can relate to that. Oh, yeah. I did that myself. And even if our listeners haven't done it, they know plenty of people who have done this. Right, because it's like a magic formula. People are looking for some way. I remember meeting with one of the higher-ups in Crusade, and I was talking to him, and he said, before Bill Bright came along with the four laws, we didn't have any way to close the deal. We would evangelize people, and we didn't know what to say at the end. But Bill Bright gave us a way to get them to accept Christ or to receive Christ with a diagram and prayer and all this. And I'm thinking, you know, it would have been a whole lot better to just do what Jesus did. Tell them that whoever believes in him will not perish, but has everlasting life. Do you believe that? Do you believe it or not? But you don't even have to ask, do you believe it? Because that's the only time Jesus ever asked that. And he knew Martha did. So... You know, I remember Zane Hodges pointed out he didn't like typically to ask people because a lot of the people he evangelized were people from the uh, Hispanic community and the African-American community. And he found that in both cases, they were extremely polite and they wanted to please him. So they would say yes, no matter what. They would say yes. In fact, I remember a story Elliot Johnson told me one time. He and his wife went to be missionaries in, I think it was South America, And he got there and made an appointment with a pastor to have supper. He said, how about if you come over and have supper with our family on such and such a date? So the guy goes, sure. So that night comes around and he and his wife are waiting and waiting and waiting. And the guy never shows up. So they go ahead and eat late. He sees the guy a few days later and he's like, I had an appointment that night. But he didn't want to tell him no. Right. And so what I would suggest is, look, it's not a matter of inviting Jesus into your heart. It's not a matter of accepting him in the sense of somehow I'm going to commit my life to him or I'm going to promise to serve him or I'm going to do whatever. And it's certainly not praying a prayer. There's no example of anybody in the Bible being born again by praying a prayer. We're born again by believing in Jesus. So in answer to the question I received about heaven or not, I would say on a scale of 1 to 10, this is probably in the 6-7 range. It's pretty good. There are problems with it. Sure. It's still far better than most tracks. And I would say this about this. An unbeliever who hears this, he hears about creation. He hears about I got to recognize I'm a sinner. He hears, I've got to say this prayer. He's going to be confused. But one of the great things about it, he can also hear John 3.16. He can also hear John 11. And the Spirit of God working in his life can have him understand that verse and he can believe it and have eternal life. I don't even remember who it was, but I remember I had a professor in seminary who made the statement. He says, if you want to know the sovereignty of God, just look at the fact that when you hear these gospel presentations that are so messed up, even Arminian ones, but yet they'll quote John three sixteen and someone will believe it. Even listening right. to somebody like that, such is the power of God. So I like his use of John's writings there. My guess is that there's people who hear that, who believe, but then there's also a lot of people who are very confused when they hear this. Yeah, I mean, if I had to guess, I would say if you had 100 unbelievers go to this site, 
it would be pretty remarkable if more than one or two actually came to faith. Mm -hmm. Now, they may later come to faith by deciding to go to a solid Bible teaching church and and hear the message clearly. But it is possible that someone could go to the site and get it. Sure. It's not crystal clear. Right. But I'm glad it doesn't have commitment issues. It doesn't have turning from your sins issues. I just wish it would emphasize everlasting life, which it doesn't, and never perish, which it really doesn't emphasize those things. And I wish it didn't have a sinner's prayer at the end. But Thanks for sending in the question about this. And if you want to see it, go to uh, heavenornot.net and you can take a look at this. And you can see the mixed bag. We run into that a lot when people present the gospel. But this one is is at least north of five. <laughs> in the ballpark. <laughs> Somewhere in the ballpark. All right. What are we supposed to do, Ken? Keep, Keep grace, grace in focus. focus. Would you be interested in some free ebooks on topics you hear on this program? Well, if you are, you need to come visit us at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. We would love to hear from you. Maybe you've got a question, comment, or some feedback. If you do, please don't hesitate to send us a message. Here's our email address. It's radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. And when you do, very important, please let us know your radio station call letters and the city of your location. On the next episode, we begin a mini-series about repentance and salvation. How do they go together? Please join us next time, and until then, let's keep grace in focus. The preceding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.